Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Nat- I'm Natalia Abrams, and I'm joined today by Cody Hunanian and Sabrina Calazans from the Student Debt Crisis Center. We are taking over uh, the Leslie Marshall Show yet again to discuss recent developments around the Supreme Court. Um, today, we're going to discuss what happened at the Supreme Court, how this can determine or will determine the future of President Biden's student, student debt plan. And we are going to talk also about the People's Rally for Student Debt that just happened last week. Um, and we will be joined by a special guest from the Student Borrower Protection Center, Persis Yu. Very excited to have this guest on. Um, but before we get to that, let's welcome our team, Sabrina and Cody. Nice to see you all again. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, and, you know, just a reminder for folks at, at Student Debt Crisis Center is our mission to center the needs and voices of student loan borrowers by partnering with allies such as the Student Borrower Protection Center, who we'll have on later and impact public policy to once and for all in the student debt crisis. And if you wanna learn more about our work or what we do here at Student Debt Crisis Center or read through the important borrower stories of folks sharing what they've been through as a student loan borrower, you can visit our website at studentdebtcrisis.org or find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at debtcrisis.org. Um, you know, and as I said, we have a lot to discuss today. So, Cody, can you bring us up to speed on what's been going on since our last show about a month ago before we were in front of the Supreme Court? Absolutely. There is a ton happening in the student loan world. Uh, before I give updates, let me just set the stage uh, once again for those who haven't been joining us uh, over these last few months. Uh, we are in the midst of a student debt crisis, right? There's over a trillion dollars in student debt, 40 million Americans impacted. And President Biden has taken an unprecedented, bold action to cancel student debt for millions of Americans. Uh, this action was uh, uh, you know, uh, enacted uh, at the end of last year. And since then, the plan has faced a barrage of meritless frivolous and silly lawsuits from opponents who would like to put the profits and well-being of billionaires over everyday borrowers. Uh, most of those lawsuits were struck down, but two of them made it all the way to the Supreme Court. So uh, February 28th was the beginning of oral arguments in both of these Supreme Court cases. And we're not going to let student debt cancellation stop in the courts and get blocked by uh, activist judges. And so we worked with dozens of national organizations who represent borrowers, civil rights groups, labor groups, to organize the People's Rally for Student Debt Cancellation in front of the steps of the court. And I, I just want to underline, this was a rally of everyday people fighting for something. It was a positive and joyous event. Hundreds of people joined us on the ground. Tens of thousands of people joined us online. 
And they got to hear from borrowers themselves, from lawmakers, and from folks from all other corners of our society on why they support the president's debt cancellation plan. It was a huge and unprecedented event. And Cody, let's be clear, uh, over 20, you keep saying thousands, but let's get some real numbers. 23,000 people plus have viewed the live stream for us at Student at Crisis Center with less than 2,000 followers. That's huge on YouTube. Uh, more than 500 people attended on at a rally at the Supreme Court in the raining cold at 8 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> so it was pretty amazing to get so many people out on a Tuesday. Um, and we had 46 speakers, 23 lawmakers of amongst the 46, and I think six or eight student loan borrowers, which I keep calling our real VIPs, that were there to share their stories. And this showed up on almost every major newspaper the next morning, photos of the rally. There was no way to talk about what happened inside the court without also addressing the huge rally that was outside of the court. And Sabrina, you know, we know that it was people of all ages, but our coalition of college students, Free the Degree, were there. Can you speak a bit about um, Free the Degree's involvement and just the different uh, youth, <laughs> youth in quotes, uh, focused organizations that were out there? Yeah, so I think there was, you know, a really great showing at the Supreme Court. There was about, you know, 500 folks that have made their way there. And so that was really incredible. And it was really cool to be able to meet some of these free the degree folks. And so we met students that came from Rutgers University, from Ohio, from um, Howard University, from Maryland, NAACP Youth in College, um, North Carolina. So there were folks from all over the country. And we also got to see other students in California at the state capitol in Sacramento take action and hold their own rally. We saw students in Arizona and Oregon speak with press and hold tabling and press conferences. Um, so folks are really doing their part. Young people were really playing um, a huge role in making sure that we brought attention to this issue. And I think it shows how many young people are you know, passionate and how many lives um, are going to be impacted by President Biden's plan. And so I think it's important that young people are making their voices heard and talking about how they're being impacted, how their communities are being impacted, and why the Supreme Court needs to do the right thing because student debt cancellation is legal. Such an important point, which I, you will continue to hear throughout this hour, which is that student debt cancellation is legal. Um, I know, Sabrina, you mentioned NAACP, and it was so wonderful to see everyone with their yellow NAACP hats on. Uh, they really showed up, uh, Young Invincibles. There was great speakers um, from their team. Krista McGuire did a wonderful job. You know. What was your favorite moment, Cody, of this, you know, incredible four-hour rally in front of the Supreme Court last, or I guess two weeks ago? My gosh, time moves fast. You know, I love that we heard from so many different voices. And before I, I uh, you know, maybe Sabrina, you can tell us a little bit about some of the borrowers that shared their stories. But I was really impressed that we heard not from kind of the, the usual suspects when it comes to lawmakers, but folks from faith communities showed up, folks who are in Florida in Georgia, organizing uh, at the grassroots level showed up. We heard from uh, others who, who represented, um, uh, like I said, civil rights groups. So there was this diverse groundswell of different voices with different perspectives who all agree that this policy, uh, that debt cancellation is not just legal, but is needed and would help everyday Americans. And, uh, you know, Sabrina, I teed it up, but I, I know you brought 
uh, some SDC borrowers to the event who had some really compelling stories. That stood out to me, hearing from everyday folks who were impacted by this crisis. Yeah, I think this was a, un a unique opportunity. You know, we get to speak to borrowers and hear their stories and being able to meet them in person and having some of them actually speak at the rally was really important. And I think it was one of my favorite moments at the rally. So I'm thinking of Kiera, who shared her story of how student debt cancellation um, would help her and her mother because it is a multi-generational issue, how the payment pause allowed her to be able to um, purchase a home and just pay down some other debt that she had and how monumental that is. And then getting to meet um, folks like Dan and Shana, who also came out and shared their stories with the press and with the folks around them and who really made it a point to listen and talk about how they were you know, benefiting from the payment pause, how student debt cancellation would change their lives. And so I think it was really important and special for us as an organization that works with borrowers to meet them face to face and really see how passionate not only we are, but how passionate the people are who are being impacted and who, and who see the impact on a day to day basis. And so for me, I think that was definitely a moment that I'll never forget. Uh, you know, Cody, I heard you earlier today, you know, a historic moment, the historic day. It definitely cemented just the public support. It makes me, you know, I can't think of the day without thinking of the journey we've all taken. Um, and our guest coming up shortly after the break, Persis Yu from Student Borrower Protection Center, has also been working in this space for a very long time. And, you know, I just never would have imagined a decade ago that our fight would go all the way up to the executive office and the Supreme Court. Um, but even more so that we'd have so much public support on our side and that they would take that time to show up. It's so hard for student loan borrowers who are struggling often for just to make, you know, ends meet and pay for basic needs um, to show up on a cold <laughs> Tuesday morning, but they did and they showed up in force. And that still like just warms my heart. And I'm riding high from that moment last Tuesday. Um, you know, I will say we're going to get into what happened inside that courtroom and, you know, why we think that we are still keeping the hope with student loan borrowers um, and very much look forward to talking to Persis Yu, the Deputy Executive Director at Student Borrower Protection Center, when we get back from the break. Again, this is Natalia Abrams, and this is the SDCC takeover of The Leslie Marshall Show. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. Welcome to The Leslie Marshall Show. This is the Student Debt Crisis Center takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. My name is Cody Hunanian, and I'm joined uh, by SDCC President Natalia Abrams. Uh, we're here to talk about all of the recent developments around student debt, student debt cancellation. And today, we're going to really dive into what's been happening at the Supreme Court. Uh, we have a really great special guest. I'm really excited to have her with us is Persis Yu, the deputy executive director of the Student Borrower Protection Center for the SBPC. The SBPC engages in advocacy, policymaking, and a part of the work that SDCC can't do, and that is the litigation strategy uh, to really tackle student loan debt. Uh, if you want to learn more about the Student Borrower Protection Center, you can visit them at www.protectborrowers.org, and definitely check them out on Twitter at the SBPC. So we've got Persis Yu here. Uh, Persis is a legal expert who we have worked very closely with over the years. I call 
this when I have uh, questions about student debt that's over my head. And uh, person has been following this case very closely and was actually inside the room at the Supreme Court to hear oral arguments. Uh, Persis, thanks for joining us on the show. Hello, thank you for having me here today. Of course, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what you do at the SBPC and just the broader mission of the Student Bar Protection Center and in context of everything that's going on right now? Sure, yeah, so um, like you said, I'm the Deputy Executive Director of the Student Bar Protection Center. We have a phenomenal team. Um, we work, uh, like our broadest mission is to work to eliminate the burden of student debt for millions of Americans across the country. We do that through a, a variety of mechanisms. We do deep legal research, uh, as you mentioned, um, into kind of the facets of the Higher Education Act and consumer protection law to see how we can best protect consumers. Um, we work with with law firms and legal aids across the country to actually ensure that those borrowers get those benefits and also to work, you know, for policy reforms, like what is possible under the law. Um, we also do a lot of deep investigations into some pretty predatory practices that I know a lot of folks are familiar with um, that have been trying to take advantage of student loan borrowers for the last several decades. And Persis, you know, we've worked together for years and I know that you, you've worked at places more than just Student Borrower Protection Center. How did you get involved with the student debt, student loan space as an advocate? Yeah, and I think a lot of us come to it both professionally and personally. Um, so, you know, I got my start in, the, in this world um, as a legal aid attorney working with low-income consumers during the financial crisis. And, you know, what, what we saw this was back, the financial crisis and income-based repayment actually kind of happened simultaneously. Um, and so there were a lot of folks working with a lot of low-income borrowers wondering, what can we do for these borrowers and realizing that, hey, at least for me, there are other people who realize this sooner, but hey, like there actually should be things under the law um, that these borrowers can do. But, you know, like personally too, as, as someone, you know, who didn't have a ton of money growing up. I had to take on loans to go to undergraduate school. I had to take on loans to go to law school. Um, and so I've had my own personal journey trying to navigate through this loan system. Um, I did eventually have my loans canceled under public service loan forgiveness, but even as a student loan expert, um, it took me 12 years to navigate a 10 year program. I actually remember uh, being a part of an interview where we talked about your public service loan forgiveness and the fact that it took, you know, even as somebody who is, and I, I see as a total expert in this space, you know, there are pitfalls with the program that make it uh, so hard for even the best and brightest in the space. And, uh, you know, I feel like we've cleaned up some stuff in that program, but I know we have a long way to go. Um, you know, for folks listening, because uh, I want to get more into the court in the next segment, but can you level set and remind folks what the plan is and where we're, where we've gotten to, you know, in your tenure working in the student debt space? Sure. Um, and so, you know, the student loan system has come a long way and the, the way that we talk about student loans has come a long way um, in the more than the last more than a decade that I've been working in this space. Um, and one of the things, I mean, kind of like coming back to the the last the the last statement about how it took me twelve years to get through this system is that, you know, knowledge is not sufficient to get you through this. Our system is completely broken, right? And so 
we have these programs like income generating payment that are supposed to provide a benefit for borrowers. It is supposed to provide a safety net that says that, you know, where things go wrong, we are going to ensure that you have the ability to have an affordable repayment plan. And more than more than that, you know, we're going to ensure that it does not trap you in debt for the rest of your life, right? So that's kind of like the promise of the student loan system. And unfortunately, what we've seen is that that promise is completely been shattered, right? And, even, and you know, that's income during payment, which very few people have been able to navigate, very, even fewer people have ever actually gotten their loans canceled through this. But we have even bigger, you know, bigger uh, travesties with borrower defense and folks who have been scammed by predatory schools like like Corinthian and ITT, folks with disabilities who have been waiting for years despite the government knowing that they had, you know, um, that they had disabilities that entitled them to cancellation of their loans, right? The system has fallen down for everybody and it has been doing so for a very long time. And so now we come, right, like we come to the pandemic and we come to the pandemic and what we know, what we, what we know, I guess, <laughs> just about three years ago to the day, unfortunately, um, is that we knew that the oh system- you're right sorry to cut, interrupt but you're i mean we're like within a couple days of that three-year mark you're absolutely right yeah continue yeah yeah no absolutely but we knew that the student loan system as it was as it existed was not up for the task right and so that's how congress came to pass the cares act and what a lot of us told congress at the time and what and have been telling the administration since then is that pausing payments right this payment pause which was vitally important is not enough right this is kicking the can down the road. And so finally, we saw in August, the president make an announcement that yes, okay, we're, we're gonna stop kicking this can down the road. What we need is cancellation, right? Like folks who had PPP loans got their loans canceled. We had you know cash payments to other folks. We need, what we need is we need to ensure that folks get cancellation. And so President Biden in August announced $10,000 of cancellation for borrowers who make less than 125,000 or have a household income of $250,000 and an additional $10,000 of cancellation for folks um, with Pell Grants as well. So, of course, um, that has been challenged in the courts, which gets (laughs) us to where we are right now. Absolutely. And we are going to discuss that more. Yeah, Cody, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, we're going to dive into the next segment. Um, I do want to just reiterate, you know, student borrowers deserve a good attorney, too. And uh, we're lucky to have folks like uh, Persis and, and legal experts on our side. Uh, but we're going to dive into the case and really get your expert opinion, Persis. And I, I want to hear what was happening in the room at the Supreme Court. Uh, that's going to be in the next segment here. So stay with us. Uh, once again, this is Cody Hernanian at the Student Debt Crisis Center. I've got Natalia Abrams. And I have Persis Yu from the Student Power Protection Center here. We're going to talk about student debt support in the next segment. See you there. Uh, this is Cody Cunanian from the Student Debt Crisis Center again, and we're joined by Persis Yu and Natalia Abrams. If you have student debt, you know someone who does, or you just care about a more equitable country, we are talking about one of the big issues that the nation is, is talking about, and that's the student debt crisis and canceling debt. Uh, student Debt Crisis Center is hosting a takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show, uh, and we are joined once again by Persis Yu from the Student Borrower Protection Center. Uh, As a reminder, you can visit www.protectborrowers.org to learn more about what the SVPC does. And also go on Twitter. You can follow Persis at you. That's Y-U, Persis. Uh, Definitely go there to get additional insights about everything that's going on in the student debt world. 
Uh, so, Persis, I wanted to send it back to you. Um, we've been kind of setting the stage, uh, talking about student debt cancellation and everything that's happening at the Supreme Court. But you had a very interesting vantage point that very few people had, and that was you were inside the court for the oral arguments that happened on February 28th. Uh, so what was that experience like, and how does it feel knowing that the issue you work on is, uh, you know, reached the highest court in the nation? That's a really good question. Uh, let me let me start with that last piece of just as level setting, right? Like we have worked really hard, and we work with borrowers. That, like like we Cody, Natalia, and me, right? Like we have all worked really hard um, alongside with borrowers, with partners to get to where we are, right? To highlight how important this cancellation is for borrowers, um, to convince, you know, what, you know, one might describe as skeptical policymakers of the value of this policy. And so to see, to see it get to where it is now, right? It is just like fundamentally, and as a lawyer too, I'm like, fundamentally disappointed in our judicial system, which would allow these so obviously politically motivated cases, which should have been dismissed out of hand, reach to, not just reach the highest level of the court, but in that process, blocking this vital relief um, for these borrowers. So I think it is like deeply existentially disappointing um, as, you know, as someone who, you know, went to law school to use the law to do good things, right? Um, on the other hand, you know, like, this is where we are, and it was very humbling. The Solicitor General, um, Solicitor General Prelogger is, you know, she's my new hero. Um, she really fought for the borrowers in this case. And I thought, you know, I think we should all aspire to do whatever it is we do as well as she did that argument, because she really did nail, like, both the legality of this program but why it's necessary and what is at stake for borrowers. And I thought she did an excellent job of bringing the voices of student loan borrowers into that courtroom. Um, and so I thought it was a very humbling experience to see this case argued so well and fought for so hard by our administration. The government and the president, the Department of Justice fought on behalf of borrowers. That part was very uplifting. Um, I'm not an attorney, but even I know that the other side lacks standing completely. And, you know, I thought as a taxpayer, I wasn't allowed to sue just because I didn't like the way my taxes were being spent. And that's something I know in my non-lawyer brain. So I completely agree. It's disheartening to see that it's gotten here, but it's that double-edged coin that also great to see the government finally on the side of borrowers or fighting on behalf of borrowers and so strong um i'm, I'm gonna butcher her name prowger prelogger i think prelogger yeah so but i agree you know just um so forceful and gives us a lot of hope um, you know, what are your takeaways from what you saw in terms of the legal debate why is she your new hero yeah, and I think maybe stepping back, right? So, like, we have these two cases that are before the Supreme Court now. One is from six Republican-led states, um, and they are suing with, like, this some notion that they are harmed um, by cancellation, right? Some states are saying that they're going to lose some tax revenue at some point down the future in this, like, really incredibly speculative chain of events that might eventually lead to them realizing some, some harm through taxes. Others who have lenders in, you know, 
lending arms like guarantee agencies and such, which they say will lose volume. And then we have this like really bizarre, but what seems to actually have been floated up as the like the main central point of whether or not the state of Missouri can realize the harm from their servicer Mohila. Um, under this assumption that Mohila will lose um, money through cancellation because their borrowers are going to benefit to the degree that they're going to have their loans canceled entirely. Um, and so Mohila will lose its loan volume and somehow they will then lose money and they will then not be able to pay into a fund, which they actually haven't been paying into for 15 years anyway. Um, and so therefore the state of Missouri will be harmed. It's all very bizarre and it's all very speculative and it's obviously very politically motivated. Um, and the other piece, the other case, right, of these two borrowers um, who are purporting to say that they are harmed because one borrower was a commercially held fel, uh, family federal education loan um, Older, and so they were not eligible for cancellation. And the other borrower says that they were eligible for 10,000, but they really should have been eligible for the full amount. Um, and so they're bringing this case because they wish that they had had the opportunity to say to the government, we would like you to do this for us too. And since they weren't, they're suing. So in essence, they're saying that they want more cancellation, but the result of their lawsuit would be to deny everybody cancellation. And that's kind of not how the law works, right? I was going to say, so since I can't have it, no one can? Like, exactly. Does it, yeah. Yeah, like that. that is, is at its core what it is. And they're, and they're saying that they want more, but the Job Creators Network, who is the entity that has funded their lawsuit, actually immediately after the case called the student loan cancellation an illegal bailout, right? So there is not just a mismatch legally, but like there's actually a public mismatch about what they say in court they want and what they're actually fighting for. So I think that these are very politically motivated cases. They don't really have basis. In fact, the, the case, um, the Nebraska versus Biden was thrown out at the district court level. It was dismissed by the court, but then they appealed and the, and the Eighth Circuit you know, put in a stay, which is why we are here, you know, at this point. So they are baseless cases. Um, they don't they don't have the standing right. Um, but also the government does have the legal authority. And I think Prelogger did a really excellent job of not just saying how, you know, they don't have, you know, they don't have the right, they weren't really harmed, um, which is true. People aren't harmed by cancellation. It's a good thing. But um they don't have this legal, you know, they haven't met this legal threshold, but they also, they do have the authority under the HEROES Act that in fact, this is a program that's authorized by Congress. And just a reminder for our audience, who's funding the Job Creators Network? You know, you said they funded the lawsuit. That's right. I hadn't really heard about this Job Creators Network very much in my time working in this space. So who are they? Yeah, so the Job Creator Network, it's it's a right wing, you know, dark money group um, funded, I, I want to say by the, you know, the founder of Home Depot, you know, this is this is big, deep money. Um, and so that's who's who's funding these. And we've, you know, obviously, these are not the only two cases that have been filed. This is the other piece about the whole the whole debate, right? Like, these are the two cases that stuck. There were a lot of cases filed, and nearly all of the rest of them have been dismissed because they all lack standing and they all lack merit. Um, but these are the two. And even these right cases judgment. were dismissed, right? I That's mean, before right. the appeal. So you Well, know, one of these even, cases yeah. was dismissed, and the other one found a judge that wrote it Got incredibly, it. Yep. you know, illogical opinion. Um, and so, so here we are. And Yeah, to go back, so I, I know a lot of the headlines we were unhappy with, you know, it made it seem like that the justices really, you know, the way they were questioning, you know, was a concerning for student loan borrowers. 
again, I'm not an attorney, but Cody and I talked about it. Our takeaway was judge is going to judge. You know, they often <laughs> ask very difficult questions of both sides. That is their job as justices. What were your takeaways, um, you know, on the, the questioning and why we should still have a ton of hope? Yeah, so I will say that I walked out of that room feeling much more optimistic than I felt walking into it. Um, yes, they're, they're, right, the conservative justices obviously don't like the idea of cancellation. I think that came through. Um, but they did have, they did ask very skeptical questions. Um, Justice Amy Coney Barrett um, in particular asked a lot of really hard questions to the plaintiffs on why they had standing. And in fact, I don't think she weighed in on the merits of, of cancellation at all. So I think, you know, the debate was much, you know, much more two-sided than I think has been portrayed in the media since then, that in fact there is skepticism even on by the conservative justices about the standing arguments. I thought that the the legal arguments I thought were pretty, I mean, the legal arguments are pretty weak. Prelogger did an excellent job showing that cancellation is legally authorized by Congress under the HEROES Act. And, you know, um, my favorite line of the entire thing is from Kagan, who says, you know, the judges, the Supreme Court deals in complicated legal statutes all day long, and this is not one of them. This is very obviously authorized. And I thought, you know, Prelogger nailed that. Yeah, let's let's hold it there. Uh, from what I'm hearing, we've got another situation of billionaires versus everyday people. And the one thing billionaires can't do is organize hundreds of people to show up at the Supreme Court. So I I am also very optimistic, Persis. But let's let's hold that. We've got one more segment with Persis to talk about it. Uh, this is Cody Hunanian from Student Debt Crisis Center, and we are taking over the Leslie Marshall Show. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. I am Natalia Abrams and joined again by Cody Hunanian from the Student Debt Crisis Center and our special guest, Persis Yu, with the Student Borrower Protection Center. We are taking over for Leslie Marshall for the SDCC Takeover, discussing all the recent developments around student debt. If you'd like to learn more about the Student Borrower Protection Center, you can visit them at www.protectborrowers.org. If you'd like to learn more about us at Student Debt Crisis Center, you can visit us at www.studentdebtcrisis.org as well. Um, and before the break, we've been talking about the Supreme Court oral arguments that just happened two weeks ago. We've been talking about the People's Rally, which was more than 500 people showing up in support that same day in front of the court. Um, and before we get to, you know, the other way that big money is trying to harm student loan borrowers, I just wanted to give you an opportunity, Persis, if there was anything else on the day of the court before we move to the SoFi lawsuit. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I do want to um, just say a little, a few more words about the the authority, because I think this came up a lot. Now, first of all, there's two things, like, does waive and modify in the HEROES Act really encompass cancellation? And, and I think one of the things, you know, could this be taken to mean that it was a cancellation? And I think one of the things to recognize is how cancellation is actually a very normal tool in financial institutions toolboxes, right? This is not an extraordinary thing. I mean, obviously it's a big thing because there's a lot of student loan borrowers, right? And there's right, a lot but of- But bankruptcy is inherent to capitalism. I feel like I've heard Absolutely. that my whole life. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. People people file for bankruptcy, right? Like almost every student, every financial product besides student loans has a statute of limitations where debts are and debts get written off after certain periods of time when they're just essentially uncollectible, which frankly, let's be honest, a lot of the student loan portfolio is uncollectible. So when we think about how extraordinary and could waive and modify, we have provisions in the Higher Education Act which allow for cancellation. And those are the provisions that 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 the secretary is relying on here. And so yes, it's a big it's a big deal because we're in a really big moment where we need big solutions. But at the same time, it's actually like a very normal tool to use in order to address large widespread financial distress. And so I think that that's a a helpful context and you know and congress gave this authority for the secretary to do this for student loan borrowers you know roberts brought up you know what about the lawn care guy and i think congress has acted for other businesses in other ways right we had ppp loans in fact one of the plaintiffs received a ppp loan um and so i, I just keep thinking about this weekend and yeah. all these people that came screaming about silicon valley bank and bailing it out for the moment and the crisis and we won't get into that because that's a whole another show or series of shows but you know this what about that we i think our government's there to help solve the crises as they come. And this has been a crisis for so long, but we all know COVID drastically exacerbated it. That's right. I think that's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, let's keep in mind too, uh, I think after everything that happened during the pandemic, you know, people are really eager to have a government that works for them and benefits them and improves their lives despite all of the challenges we face. And uh, you know, Elizabeth Warren said it earlier in our fight, uh, the president's tool, his ability to cancel student debt is one of the most powerful tools we have to improve the lives of millions, tens of millions of people. And we can't just ignore that that lever um, when the president has the ability to take action. So we are so close to seeing some transformative change that would have a huge benefit on so many families. And it is legal. This is what Sabrina said in the first yeah. segment. This is legal. Uh, he has the authority. There are many tools in the toolbox. This isn't, you know, they chose this one, um, but this is something that the president can do and should keep doing, you know, and I think all of our opinions, um, you know, so Cody teased this a little bit at the last segment, but these, you know, the Job Creators Network, Home Depot family, these aren't the only kind of big billionaire, big business companies trying to harm student loan borrowers. Do you want to kind of level set or help us level set purses on what's going on with SoFi Bank? Yeah, so that, you know, following right on the heels, they, they wasted little time um, after the Supreme Court case. Um, but so SoFi filed a lawsuit um, in the District of Columbia claiming essentially very much on the template of what we just saw uh, in this in this first round of lawsuits, claiming that the secretary's use of the hero's authority in order to do um, this latest iteration of the payment pause was illegal. Um, and so, you know, they, they raised a number of like similar style claims that we saw at this SCOTUS case, um, you know, that this is exceeding the authority under the HEROES Act. Um, that again, not that they didn't follow notice and comment uh, provisions and that, you know, the use of this this latest extension is arbitrary and capricious um, under law. So that is that is what they're trying to do. They're purporting to ask for, you know, what they're they're purporting to ask for this 
latest payment pause to be undone, which is a little confusing because it's not entirely sure what it means. It's not entirely clear what the relief that they're asking for um, would mean. But they're but the basis of their lawsuit, why they claim that they have a right to be in court is because they say that as a result of you know the payment pause, as a result of zero dollar zero percent interest rates, is that nobody's incentivized to um, to refinance with their product anymore. And it's kind of a bizarre claim because they don't have a right to have a better business. Well, I was just going to ask, can I yeah. see the company saying, you know, it's the federal government's fault that I'm not making money? I just, I always feel like that, that it's such a distorted view of capitalism that they have, you know, it's really socialism for the rich and capitalism for everyone else. I know I'm quoting somebody very important with that and I'm just forgetting the name, but, so not, but that's what's going on here. I didn't. You know, it feels like the same frivolous lack of standing issues that we're seeing with the Supreme Court cases. Is that yeah, the I right mean, read? Yeah. Right. No, I mean, I think they claim that the because of the payment pause, they're make, not making money. One could also counter argue that, like, because they don't have a more competitive business model, they are not making money, that they're not entitled to have these borrowers um, refinance with them. And nor is there any guarantee that these re th these borrowers would, um, even if there wasn't a payment pause in effect. You know, what's really stood out for me, too. Uh, you know, the, the big businesses think that they're very clever. They're going to use their their money and their attorneys to try to uh, protect their profits. But lo and behold, uh, harming everyday people is actually bad business. We have been hearing from dozens of people who are telling us they're never going to use SoFi products. We've had people contact us and say they were about to refinance their student loans and have now changed their mind. And so the great irony here is in an, in an attempt to try to shore up profits by challenging policies that help borrowers, they have repelled Tons of borrowers who were yeah. interested in using their products in the first place, but have some some semblance of morality here and, and don't want to be part of something so so terrible. It's a comms disaster. You know, we yeah, are the one sure. who made you for like they're trying to force people into using their product when in fact people are going to remember their name. They have a stadium named after them with all of their money. They paid their CEO a bonus of one hundred and nine million dollars last year. This is not a company that's hurting. Um, and yet still suing to take some, a lifeline away from student loan borrowers. So Persis, you know, with all these lawsuits, what, what comes next? You know, to quote one of my favorite Hamilton songs, like what are we going, what should borrowers be focused on between now and June? Yeah, so I mean, you know, I think at this point, there is some waiting and seeing that we have to do at the Supreme Court. Um, in the meantime, there are other things going on, right? Like there are a lot of actions that have been happening um, at the Department of Education and borrowers really do need to take some steps in order to take advantage of them. One thing that um, I like to talk a lot about um, is the income during payment account adjustment that very few people are paying attention to. Um, but this is actually an opportunity where a lot of people can get their time counted and could see total cancellation of their loan balances. Um, and I think in, in particular, the fell borrowers um, should look into this program, should look into consolidating their loans and seeing if they should, you know, could potentially get their entire loan balances canceled. Um, same thing with, you know, folks in public service, that there are ways that folks should be canceling their loans um, and should be getting relief. And so while we're waiting, we should make sure that everyone is taking advantage of every single program that is available to them. 
Absolutely. I, you know, that's something we tell borrowers all the time. I know that we do workshops often at student debt crisis centers. So do you all at student borrower protection center. Uh, we know that this is kind of complicated, wonky information. So both of our groups try to really help you untangle that. Uh, Persis, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your insight and value to this conversation. Um, and thank you, Cody, and uh, everyone for allowing this to happen. This is the SDCC takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. Special shout out to Leslie for letting us take over, as she says, not a hostile takeover, but a friendly one. And have a great afternoon, everyone. Thank you all.